0: Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I am the Bill Arnold part of that short sentence. I'm so glad to uh, have some very special guests today on the program. And I'm wondering uh, what you are doing this Advent. Are you getting ready? Are you getting more open to the things of God? What if you decided to be expectant that God would move in your midst? I got a perfect way to prepare you for that season. And it's uh, with a new book out that is hot off the press called Prepare Him Room written by none other than Susie Larson. She's here with me in studio today. Susie, welcome.
1: So grateful to be with you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding me? This is
0: fantastic.
1: <laughs> Brand You're new so book. Kind. What number is this? How many have you written? That, well, I've written 18. I have two more coming out this year, so that's number 16, and a couple others are done, and they'll be coming at one Mother's Day and one next summer. Yeah. So.
0: I love the, the Advent season. I love getting your heart ready, but most of the time we're in a tizzy trying to get Uh, Ready with all these busy details and we're not maybe leaving room for God.
1: So very true. And, you know, I wondered when this, you know, the the Advent season is so short and this book came out, you know, in the fall. I'm like, this seems like an odd time to be talking about it, but it really isn't because Advent means two things. It means arrival and it means coming. And we, you know, in generations past, they would take, Christians would take the previous four Sundays to Christmas and they would fast and pray, Bill. They would, you know, practice restraint and enter into communion with God to prepare their hearts to celebrate that Jesus came to earth as a baby. And I would say, I feel just an urgency more than ever because Jesus' return is nearer than it's ever been. So not only should we enter this season with an expectancy around what does God want to speak to me? this season. I want to honor the fact that he came. I mean, that he came to earth for us is the greatest miracle of all. But the idea that he himself in the gospel of Luke says, if I come back and find you about my father's busy business, if I come back and see you living in expectant about my return, I will put an apron on myself and put you at the table, so I feel I like, like it. it's just so important to live with the holy expectancy and and you know his his return is nearer than it's ever been, so this is the perfect time to prepare our hearts
0: Susie are uh, Christians uh used to um advent are they used to celebrating it and preparing first of all, I think it's outstanding that we're preparing commemorating the birth of Jesus in advance, anticipating his 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 day his return um and i think it's a great it's a great practice but not all christians do it
1: no i 100% agree with you and i even think our tendency i think at times if we can maybe read it. You know, do a short reading, light a candle, and check the box. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think what often happens is, especially when you have a, an accumulation of hardships, losses, disappointments, like we've had in the last couple of years, oftentimes people will look at the holidays as an opportunity to kind of throw caution to the wind. Going, I don't want to think of my troubles for a while. I just want to, you know, I want to be merry, and that there's nothing wrong with that. And except that, if you're indulging, and oftentimes the holidays, we overeat, overdrink, overspend, and we wake up feeling toxic and lethargic and regretful on the new year, New Year's Day. And that's when you see all the commercials on weight loss and budgets and all that. Is that really how you want to exit this year and no. enter the next year? And so in the end of each chapter, I, I suggest very simple fasts because I, for my, almost my whole adult life have practiced minor fasts and self-restraint during the holiday season. Cause I want I want to have clarity. I want to hear from God. I mean, To me, wrapping up a year and entering another year, I want to get a revelation from God. And you can't do that if you're trying hard not to feel the stuff that's under the surface. So again, this isn't a fluff. This isn't just a quaint little Advent book. It's really going to the heart of things with God where you say, you know, instead of numbing out and trying hard not to feel the stuff I've been shoving in the basement of my soul for a whole year, I'm actually going to bring my very real story before a very real God. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, speak to me about my very real life, because Jesus came in the midst of trouble to bring hope to the world.
0: What about my little Advent calendar that every time I open, there's a little chocolate in
1: there? Well, that's sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Pun intended. Can I not have that? Totally do that. No, I mean, and I hope you don't make me, I'm not at all trying to perpetuate legalism, but you know, there's a difference between feasting and having a good time and numbing out, yeah. so I don't have to feel stuff, and and one is, you know, there's there's a season and a time for that. Right. Uh, on the other hand, trying to numb out and trying not to feel the stuff that God wants to heal is is not the way I don't, I believe that God wants His people to celebrate and honor His coming.
0: Susie, I always think the four weeks prior to Christmas, the holiday season is like a big magnifying glass on your life. It is. The things that are good look bigger, and the things that are bad look bigger. Oh,
1: it's not, that's a really good way to put it. Well, and,
0: and yeah. that is when, if you numb out, you're going to maybe miss what God's got for you.
1: Indeed. Especially and really, you're, you're, yeah. you're really subject to... to significant temptation. Temptation to compare and then despair. Temptation to overindulge so as not to feel. Yeah. I mean just think of why you see these commercials. You know, buy it now, pay for it in four years from now, so to speak. And you know, and people will say, you know, I drank to a degree I never would have. I ate, I spent. And the thing is, then the enemy comes right in. First he he baits you into sin, then he accuses you for being such a dope for falling into his trap. And and so what I want to say is just to pose a different way. And, and the fasts at the end of the chapter are very, they're simple, but they're not easy. So like one is fast today from self-contempt. Another one is fast from overdoing it and trying to impress people. Another one is fast from, um, what was the, another one? Oh, comparing and despairing. So the temptations that we have to kind of go places that we ought not, I'm just saying, practice a little self-restraint and create a little more space to get a revelation from God.
0: One of my guests, Susie, on my Words of the Wise segment uh, said, I no longer have a to-do list, I have a to-be list.
1: Mm, I love that so much.
0: I I do too. Yeah,
1: that's so good.
0: Yeah. What does God have for you in that month, that four weeks of Advent? Yeah. Yep.
1: You know, it's so interesting to me, as Jesus said, you know, I'll just tell you how the bo- book was born is a couple of years ago on faith radio as a staff. And as a lot of listeners who participated, we engaged in reading the gospel of Luke for Advent because there's 24 chapters and, and coupling Advent with the gospel of Luke. For some reason, I read the gospel more times than I can count, but kind of, you know, putting the filter of Advent over it, just Brought the word to life, and so I reached out to my editor, and I said, "I want to write a book on um, on the Gospel of Luke for Advent, and I feel like it's just such an important time to pause and go, Lord, um, I want to be ready for your return." Jesus said, "It'll be just as in the days of Noah." In what what were the days of Noah? Partying, drinking, people mm-hmm. give into marriage. Now again, there's no problem with going, having a good wedding or having a good Christmas feast. No problem at all. But what? Why do people overindulge? most often it's to not feel something mm-hmm. that God wants to heal. And that's the travesty about it. Because even when Jesus, that when, when the time will be no more and people won't have any more time to decide for Christ, they will have pain that, that, they, that the Savior was available to heal, but they opted not to hear from him. So I feel like as Christians, we can't impart what we don't possess. And there is a world that's hurting, a world that's traumatized, a world that's trying hard not to feel some things. So what if we entered in and looked at this time, this season, uh, as a time to enter uh, a revelation with God. Lord, I want to create space. I want to take this so seriously because I want to hear from you. What do you have to say about some of the hurts and disappointments I've felt? What do you have to say about the times we're in? What do you want to do in and through me in this next year? Give me a vision for where you're taking me in this next year. I just think we will miss out on that great invitation if we only look at the holidays as a chance to kind of throw our hard story to the side and just party on, you know?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I called tech support before this interview because I didn't want the text line to blow up (laughs) when I start doing what I'm going to start doing, which is I have five copies of Susie's book to give away. Susie's... uh, giving me this great privilege of being the first interview for her new book called Prepare Him Room. It's a daily Advent devotional. There's five copies, and there's also a couple of beautiful ornaments that I think are wooden handcrafted.
1: By my son. They're Did he do gorgeous, these? yes. Oh, my. Yes, he has a laser machine, and that's really we had him design. There's one that's a stable. And another one that's a vine, and it says, "Prepare him room; he came for you." And there, on, the
0: ba- on the back, it says, "Listen to Bill Arnold afternoons that's every day." Is so for, nice. Yes, is yeah, that, that nice? Is, uh, yeah. so, I don't yeah. think that Personally. was necessary. No, <laughs> but I appreciate you, Susie, uh, very much. Hmm. So, if you want to be part of this drawing, and I know there's going to be a lot of names coming in, text the word "book" to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Remember, just the word "book," and you'll be in the drawing for one of Susie Larson's uh, brand new books called Prepare Him Room, a daily Advent devotional. I'm going to have her for the whole hour. So we're going to talk all about her book and her devotional, but feel free to uh, send a question over to about the book or about Susie. I know she'd be more than happy to answer it. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll take a very short break and be right back with lots more. back with Susie Larson. She's written a new book called Prepare Him Room, a daily advent devotional, and it is selling like hotcakes, which is great, really good news. Hmm. And I've got five copies to give away. So get in on the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Susie, let's talk about, I think it's chapter or day one, you explore the story of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And you say that hope needs to make a comeback.
1: Yeah, I, I love w- that story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in that in that particular Debo, I, I write righteous and barren, because that's what Scripture says about uh, Elizabeth. And you don't often want to see those two words in the same sentence, you know, same kind of thing, holy and heartbroken. But that was Elizabeth and Zachariah. On one hand, their lives were submitted to God. So she was righteous. They were righteous, but they were barren. They were holy, but they were heartbroken because God did not give them the desires of their heart and i think it takes so much maturity to be in the not yet and to continue to follow god to say you're still good you're still god i'm going to keep showing up and walking with you even though the very thing i want most of all you just haven't given me yet and i just think that right there is such a powerful testimony of of maturity and faithfulness but then you get zachariah he was chosen by lot to go into the temple to offer sacrifices he was alone until he wasn't. And an angel appears and tells him that he will have a son. And this son, Jesus says, is going to be the greatest man born of woman. And the idea that they went so long without their needs, um, their deepest desire met, and then God came into their story and intervened in a way that completely surprised them. Is such a great reminder for us that our story's not over. My friend says, my friend Jody says, if if your story's not good yet, it's because God's not done yet. And I, and the invitation there is just for a holy expectancy to to make a comeback. And I've shared this, and I probably even have shared it on your. On your show before, but I've said it enough, enough times, but it bears repeating here. But 20 years ago, my mentor said, Susie, you need to make a distinction between expectation and expectancy. She said, expectation is premeditated disappointment, where you're deciding how God needs to perform for you. And and how you, it, things need to, it's like your outcome. You've decided your outcome. And if God doesn't come through for you the way you think he should, you're deciding ahead of time, you're going to be disappointed. And so often people say, I tried prayer. It doesn't work because mm-hmm. they had an expectation. Expectancy, on the other hand, she says, requires some maturity because you're leaning into mystery. You're saying his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts, but I know he's good. And Ephesians 3.20 says he's able to do above and beyond all I could dare to to ask or imagine. That means you're daring to ask and imagine good things. Well, his his ways are higher and far beyond that. So the idea of expectancy is to say, Lord, you're good. Your promises are true. And instead of having an expectation that you're going to perform a certain way, I'm going to follow you and trust you and live with the lean into the mystery that any day now, I'm going to see your kingdom come in my story in a way that will take my breath away. We don't always get what we want, but He definitely brings what we need, and then and He brings the and then some. I would add.
0: Mm-hmm. When we pray in our staff meetings, I will say to myself, "Susie always prays with an incredible sense of expectancy." I've always thought that, hmm. and I, I'm always encouraged. And I always say to God when I start praying, God, you have information about my life I don't have, and I'm trusting you, so I'm going to ask these with an expectancy that you're going to move and you're going to act. I don't know what it's going to look like, but that's, I think, where you take your step of faith.
1: Indeed. And I I think we we lose our way, and we even for lack of a better way to say this, live beneath our spiritual privilege. When we settle into, um, I had an expectation, God didn't jump through my hoops, so I'm not gonna lean into prayer. First of all, God's not bound to jump through our hoops and he's not bound by our dictates, but we can't please him without faith. So to say, to make it all about us, to say, I tried that, he didn't do for me what I wanted, so I'm not gonna engage my faith, is to really not know God at all. Because if you know him, and you love him, you actually will want to please him. And your faith is so precious to him. And so as someone who's battled chronic illness, I've actually had people say, you know, if you had more faith, you'd be healed. And I know God still heals today. I my I've said this, my son was, a, you know, a he was on the receiving end of a medical miracle. He was medically miraculously healed. That has not been the case for me, but I still know that God is good. And I still know that his promises are true. So to lean into that, to say, I'm not, you're not bound by my dictates, I'm bound by yours and I will serve you on your terms. I've just seen too much, Bill, to to turn back around. I've seen him be good and I've seen him intervene in ways that I never saw coming because you're right, you know, there's so much we don't see, but he sees it all. But our faith is everything to him.
0: Mm -hmm. Talking to Susie Larson, as you already recognize her voice, I don't need to say the I'm talking to Susie Larson part, but she's got a new book called Prepare Him Room, a daily Advent devotional, and I've got five copies, gratitude of Susie and her publisher to give out. So text the word book to 877-933-2484, and you'll be in the drawing to win one of her books. Also, there's some beautiful hand-carved wood ornaments that you can put on your tree or in your window, and they're beautiful. And there's only two of those. So one of the winners will not only get a book, but get the ornament. So that's exciting. And if I accidentally take one home, there's just one to give away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that's going to happen.
1: No, no, but it could. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's all right.
0: Susie, Mm -hmm. what about John the Baptist? What what did he mean Mm -hmm. when he said, prepare the way?
1: Hmm. You know, I thought a lot about that because here he is, you know, saying, who warned you, you Bruta vipers?" to, you know, I mean, he, he wasn't, uh, it seemed like he was trying to thin the crowd, let's just say. So what did he mean when he said, prepare the way? Well, he definitely didn't mean go home, get your act together, clean yourself up and then come back and jump into the waters of baptism. So what did that mean? As I just sat with that a little bit, studied it a little bit, what I've determined that John meant there is to prepare to change. Prepare to change because he said, you know, God is going to bring the high places low and the low places high. He's going to make the crooked way straight. You know, he's going to take pride in our lives and turn it into humility. He never humiliates his kids, but he definitely humbles us. And I think sometimes we've made salvation so easy. Now, Jesus came to earth by grace. We are saved through faith. You can't earn salvation. But I think sometimes when we look at it as just check the box, pray the prayer, escape hell. We have really, to me, made a mockery of what it means to belong to Christ, to have his spirit alive in us, to follow him so that we're transformed to be like him in the process. And when you walk with Jesus and you say, not mine, but your will, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, on your terms, and his spirit takes up residence in your soul, suddenly he gets to correct and redirect, you know, he gets to guide and provide. And there'll be times where he'll say, you know, you used to watch those movies, but not anymore. They're not funny. You used to think that kind of stuff's funny. It's not your taste. Excuse me. your tastes start to change. And to the extent that you're willing to be transformed is the extent that he will use you. And what was so interesting with John the Baptist is his message was so compelling. People were so cut to the heart. They're like, well, what should we do? What should we do? And and, and he had a different answer for each one. Now, again, he wasn't saying this is how you earn salvation, you know, give gifts to the poor and you quit misusing your power. But he was bumping up against things in each of their lives going, this is the stumbling block. This is the place where you're in the flesh, you're extorting money, you're misusing power. And if you just look at it, it's so interesting. He has a different answer for each of them. And I believe it's the same with us, that the Spirit of God, when he, when he takes up residence, he may say something to you different than me let's say both of us have a a tendency to be late everywhere we go and he says to you Bill um, you just probably need to get up earlier but he gets up at four so that that's a bad example (laughs) but let's just say let's just say time management Bill. it's time management but let's say for me The Spirit of God says, Well, it's not about time management. You and I both know you're trying not to be known. You're showing up late and leaving early, so nobody will know you. So our actions look the same, but our motivations are so different. Well, the Spirit is the one who searches out all things in our hearts. So when Paul says, or when I'm sorry, when John the Baptist says, prepare the way, he's like, prepare for God to turn your lives upside down, inside out, and make you into a person you never dreamed you could be.
0: Yeah, that was a radical message.
1: It sure was and is,
0: yeah, and mm-hmm. still is, mm-hmm. and everyone who's um listening are are realizing that that how their lives have been impacted um by Christ and how you surrendered your life to him your life should be
1: incredibly different. Yeah. And it's not something that you can do. And this is what's yep. so important. Often when I'm presenting the gospel at my w- women's events, I, and I'll say toward the end, if if you have some prideful woman looking down her nose at you, now that you've received Christ and her telling you, this is what good Christians do, you know, clean it up, run, run the other way because any You know, external pressure to conform. That, you know, mentorship is one thing. Pressure to conform because this is what good Christians do is not a sustainable change. Transformational change happens from conviction, from the Spirit in us going, this is the way, walk in it. And this is why I say, you know, this Christmas message is not old news, it's now news, it's good news. You know, when Jesus came to earth, God's kingdom came to earth in a way that made the kingdom accessible to us. I don't think we can fathom the gift God gave us. So I just don't think the Christmas message is only for Christmas. It's an everyday affair. And that's why I guess you and I come to work every day.
0: Yeah, indeed. Susie Larson is my guest, as you know by her voice. Her book is called Prepare Him Room, a daily Advent devotional. She's given five copies to give away in this hour. So you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. At the front of the book, Susie, it says, To mom for making Christmas time something to behold. Love you so much, Susie. Tell me about a Christmas memory with mom. As wow. I fight back my own tears.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you had to go do that. That's not on the list of questions. I
0: know it's not, but I <laughs> I, I figured <laughs> Um, we got to go to break in a minute and 50 seconds, so you don't
1: have a lot of time. Yeah, well, my mom was raised in poverty, as was my dad, and they emptied their pockets every Christmas. But it was my mom, seven kids in our family, and she would just buy the presents and wrap them and and put such thought that there were times because of the hustle bustle of a family of nine, the tags would fall off. And so by the time Christmas came, we didn't know which gift was for who, (laughs) but you'd open them and you knew who they were for because my mom knew how to buy gifts in a way that spoke to the heart of each one of us. And she's still that way. She's almost 89 and she puts so much thought into Christmas, into what she, who she buys for, what she does. And it's not just about the gifts, but it really is about, I know you, I know what you would love, and I'm going to create an atmosphere that celebrates uh, our family and uh, the fact that God loves us. So I love my mom and I love what she made out of Christmas. And every one of us kids, all seven of us make a really big deal out of Christmas because of the way that she modeled it.
0: Nice. Nice. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking to Susie Larson. Her book is Prepare Him Room. We have five copies. Text the word book to 877-933-2484, and we'll be right back. game two of the World Series tonight, and I've got Susie Larson in my studio now, and I'm mm. excited that she has said to me, I will uh, let you be my first interview for my new book, which is called Pre- Prepare Him Room. It's a daily Advent devotional. And Susie, uh, the text line, of course, as you would guess, is all lit up with people wanting to get in on the drawing. And if you want to be a part of that drawing, just text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. 2484 All right, as I'm looking through your book, Susie, on day seven, you tell some pretty compelling stories from Scripture about encountering Jesus. How do those stories apply to us today and help us Mm. live out with uh, this expectancy we were talking about earlier?
1: I love that. You know, again, walking through the Gospel of Luke, um, which we're going to be doing again as a group uh, with Faith Radio, so be listening for that. But day seven, chapter seven of the Gospel of Luke, there's two stories that are juxtaposed that just gripped me. I kind of read them again for the first time. But one of them was when the Jewish elders rushed to Jesus and advocated for a Roman soldier, where normally these two people groups were in direct opposition of each other. They were they were enemies because Romans so often misused their power. But these Jewish elders were saying, Lord, you, you have to help him because his slave is on the verge of death. And he's been a friend to us and he's used his own money to help build our temple, which is just kind of amazing to me that this Roman soldier had some kind of sense of... the things of God to be kind to the Jewish people and to the point where he'd sacrifice some of his own resources to help them build their temple but here now he's got a slave that he just deeply loves who's on the verge of death and yet he says this this soldier that understood authority And he understood humility because he said, you know, I'm under authority and I have authority over soldiers. So I understand authority. So you don't even need to come to my home. You can just say the word from where you're at. Besides, I'm not really worthy of having you in my home. And that that juxtaposition of humility and an understanding of authority is, I would say, irresistible to heaven. And it was irresistible to Jesus. He was in awe. If you look at the times Jesus stopped in his tracks, it usually was profound faith. And profound unbelief, for he would go, "Wow, I haven't seen this quite yet' And he was in awe of this soldier and just spoke the word, and the servant was healed. and I think so often we we maybe because it's maybe been a while since you've really had a sense of the you know the presence of God. Um, I think when we go too long without really encountering him and be in awe of his word and of of his ways, we lose the fear of God. And when we lose the fear of God, we lose the reverence and the the sense of respect, and we lose our sense of humility. And when I, just because I feel like, and I don't know how few feel this way, but but I feel like as Christians in the West, we've been exiled to Babylon. Mm -hmm. It feels like that to me, that we've been exiled to Babylon. And so I, I did a little study on just what, why did that happen for the Israelites? What were the things that they did that caused God to allow that to happen for them to be exiled to a foreign land and be oppressed? And the very first thing, their first offense, was they stopped listening to God because you can only listen to one voice at a time. They stopped listening to God, and when you stop listening, guess what happens? You listen to other things, and when you listen to other things, your hearts grow hard. That's what it says in the Old Testament. They stopped listening, so they stopped feeling sorry for their sin, and their hearts grew yeah. hard. To have this Roman soldier to be so unlikely to have a, a, you know, a reverence before God and a humility before him enough to go, I get authority and I understand humility. His stance there got Jesus' attention. And I would just say the same is true for us, that when we revere God and we honor him and give him the honor he deserves, and we approach him with a humble boldness, um, That's the stuff of miracles. I just think it is. And then the next scene, Jesus goes to a village, the village of Nain. And here we find a woman, and it's the worst day of her life. You know, she'd already lost her husband and how she loses her son. And so I paint a picture of her dragging her feet through the dirt, wailing in her hands, you know, and tear strain. You know, it's kind of dusty tear trails down her cheeks guttural sobbing. She's not crying out to God. She's in the funeral procession for her son. And women in ancient times were super vulnerable without men, without a son, a brother, a dad, or a husband. So this is the worst day of her life. And Jesus interrupts the funeral procession and brings her son back to life. And to me, this is again, a picture of there's times you're we're hurting so bad, we can't even cry out for help. And Jesus intervenes, and and brings life where we can never even imagine it. And this is why the overall theme of the book is I want expectancy to make a comeback because he's the God of full of surprises. He continually surprises us. And if we can, you know, keep the main things the main things, if we can remember he is God, we are not. If we can keep our hearts humble before him. And when we can't even lift our heads, even then we can know he's near, he is good, and he is one who will absolutely interrupt. The worst days of our life with the surprise of His goodness. So,
0: and that's a perfect example mm-hmm. where Jesus brought his, that boy back to life. Yeah, yeah.
1: just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know. Watchman E nee once wrote that we can't have authority unless we're under authority. And and James four seven says, submit to God, resist the devil, and He will flee. And submit to God is a military term. It means get back in rank. And I so often will hear that passage quoted out of context where, you know, just, just resist the devil and he'll leave you alone. That's just not true. If you're out of authority, if you've usurped authority, if you're out of rank as a Christian, and how do you do that? Bitterness, unforgiveness, disobedience, hidden sin. I mean, there's a long list. I think we, if you know the word, you basically know when you're out of authority. Well, the enemy is a legalist. He will find ways Mm -hmm. to get at you. If you give him an open door, he is taking it. Well, then the enemy is all after you. But if you, uh, get back in rank, you submit to God, and then you rise up in your God-given authority, you resist the devil. He has to flee. So I just think it's so important to understand that combination of reverence and humility and honor. And in that, to me, is the sweet spot of walking with God, first because he deserves it, but then that's where you hear him, and that's where things start to happen in your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Susie Larson is my guest. You can probably tell that. Her book is Prepare Him Room. It's her brand new book. It's a daily Advent Devotional. She was nice enough to offer five copies to give away in a drawing, and if I decide to shorten my Christmas list, there would be three copies to give away. What? <laughs> I'm just, just trying to be. It's honest. your show,
1: Bill. Thank it's you, Susie. Yeah. Thank you for uh-huh.
0: recognizing mm-hmm. that. But you can text the word "book" to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Susie, I think uh, on a lighter note, you've got kind of an entertaining story about a Christmas tree catastrophe in the book.
1: Yeah, I think you'll appreciate please, this.
0: <laughs> please tell the <this> story. <laughs>
1: yeah it will make you happy I Good. know that yes 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 so because my mom and my dad but I would say my mom most of that credit goes to my mom just with what she did with our our Christmases you know we got as soon as we got married you know crises kind of sort of happened with high-risk pregnancies and then financial brokenness so none of what I was hoping would happen at Christmas time did in fact some of our worst crises happened at Christmas time and I developed an unhealthy christmas fantasy i'm just going <laughs> to bet because <laughs> i I, would, I know <laughs> i would see these christmas commercials and i would be like one day this will be mine. And the thing is I had friends who had their health and had their wealth and they had other problems, but they had the two things I did not have. And mm-hmm. so they were living the Christmas fantasy as far as I was concerned. You know, their fireplace I don't even you know, their fireplace mantle was decorated and they had nice clothes for their kids and music, Christmas music, galore and I mean they just were living the good life at Christmas time and those were some of our hardest times and I literally, without realizing it, developed this Christmas fantasy that just every year, it's like, this is going to be the year it happens. Well, one spring, Kev's parents gave us their big artificial Christmas tree to replace our Charlie Brown pathetic artificial <laughs> Christmas tree. And that next fall, winter, I was starting to feel a little bit better. So I'm thinking, this is going to be the year. Got the tree. I'm not feeling so sick. Maybe the winds of change are starting to blow. Now, side note, my hubby has this little habit of when he blows it, makes a mistake. And I ask him about it. He rubs his nose. Like, he's like, no, it's going to be okay. Like, that kind of a thing. Nervous tick? Yeah, yeah. He says he doesn't do it anymore because I'm on to him. But he does, you know. So anyway, if you can picture the day, I'm baking the Christmas cookies. we got the Chipmunks Christmas cassette (laughs) going. The kids are in the living room with the tinsel singing Christmas songs. And Kev's got, you know, the Christmas tree in pieces on the floor. And I'm just having the time of my life going, "It's here, it's happening." Yeah. And I peek into the living room. I'm like, "How's it going?" And he rubbed his nose. I'm like, that's not good. No no well, you just rubbed your nose. what's, what's going on? Yeah. Well it seems during spring cleaning he threw away a good portion of the big tree and a small portion oh, no. of the small tree. So we had no, <laughs> no, just lots of pieces, right? And, but he just knew how much was riding on this for me, which is so embarrassing and ridiculous to admit, but he's like, honey, go get me my screw gun, son, go get me my extension cart And he's calling out the troops for all the tools. And it, by this time it's later in the day, he's what? He's drilling holes, trying to make something happen. And it was bedtime for the kids. So I'm like, I kissed him on the top of the head. And I'm like, we don't need a tree this year. And I tucked the kids into bed. And I went to bed. And it was middle of the night. And I woke up and he wasn't there. And I walk out into the living room to a perfectly clean living room. And before I went to bed, it looked like a construction zone with screw guns and sawdust. Because it and, was. Because it was. Yes. Exactly. And I walk out to this clean living room into a medium sized tree and Kev was sitting in front of the tree holding the control like it was a race car set. and I walk <laughs> up behind him and he says I was gonna make it rotate but I thought I'd stop while I was at <laughs> and I welled up with tears and the Lord whispered to me and he said Susie I see your mess I see your life I know it feels like what you just went to bed and saw before you went to bed but I, I have a vision for your life and i'm going to carry it through to completion just like kevin did with this tree and i sat on his lap and i i cried and cried and cried i was because you know we weren't ready for the big tree we were ready for the medium tree you know mm-hmm. we would have more crises before things actually started to change for us but it was such a picture for me bill that that you know christmas as you said it amplifies some of the best parts and some of the hard parts and i think if you're in crisis it mocks your pain because people seem extra happy. People who have seem to be everywhere. The have-nots are hidden in the shadows. Mm-hmm. And and so that's when your pain feels more pronounced and your losses feel deep. And this is why it's so important that we not numb out and try hard not to feel that pain. Because you have to feel it to heal it. But if you are in one of those seasons where everybody's partying but you know that Jesus sees the mess and you're not going to stay there. He's He's up to something good and he's making something beautiful of your life. Just don't give up hope.
0: So Susie, how important is it then to prepare him room to take this Advent season, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and start being intentional about getting your heart ready and start to heal what God wants to heal in your life.
1: I feel so passionate about it, Bill. Um,
0: Enough that you'd write a book?
1: Well, more than that even. I mean, if I was, I mean, really, that's a good question because <laughs> I wrote it because I loved our time in the Gospel of Luke a couple years ago. I you know, wrote it a year ago. But I think because of the the wine press that I've been in, just yep. some of the stuff that I'm dealing with behind the scenes and the times we're in and who could have even you know anticipated what has transpired in our day and in our culture and in our country... Jesus' return is nearer than it's ever been, so it feels more important than ever that that we be sober-minded, you know, be patient in affliction, joyful in hope, constant in prayer, that we not throw caution to the wind to go, it's just been such a hard year, I'm just going to party down and relax and mm-hmm. have fun, have your parties, get some fun gifts for people that you love. But that's a secondary thing, the primary thing Is create some space to go, God, how do you want me to exit this year? What baggage am I dragging with me that you actually want me to leave behind? What kind of vision do you want to cast for the coming year? And what's my role in the greater kingdom story? I just, I feel so strongly that's a holy invitation for all of us.
0: Yeah, it is. Take a little break. Susie Larson's new book, Prepare Him Room. It's a daily Advent devotional. Get your heart and mind ready for the upcoming Christmas season. And you will uh, love this book. And we've got five copies to give away. Text the word book to 877-933-2484 to get in on the drawing. Take a short break and be right back. To the show. So glad to have Susie Larson in studio. She's talking about her new book called Prepare Him Room, a daily Advent devotional. And during the break, Rosie made an awfully wise comment, didn't (laughs) she, Susie? She really
1: did. Let's hear that
0: repeated. Mm -hmm. Rosie B, go ahead.
1: Oh, you guys are too funny. Um, So we were talking during the break about I love that we're having this conversation in October because you're speaking about expectancy, but it's also about intentionality. Like you are making a decision now to enter into the holidays. And if you wait to the week before Thanksgiving, because Advent is right after Thanksgiving this year, it's, it's almost too late because the flurry starts. And especially yeah. if you're a mom in charge of a household, you know, the concerts and the cookie bakes and all that kind of stuff. So this discussion right now to me is the setting the table to prepare the room. I love that you said yeah. that so much. And I actually want to make a note you know, just to, to bring that up in future interviews, Rosie, because you're so right, you know, the, the, to prepare is to have this mindset that something is coming. And if you jump in too late, the flurry is already happening. You're yeah. already caught up in the rat race. And when I think of how Jesus came to earth, why he came to earth, there was nothing commercial. About that first christmas, nothing at all we 're the ones who 've done that, but you think that he was born you know in a cave and placed in a trough you know in a day when people were still being crucified outside the city and and the Jewish people were under incredible roman oppression he didn 't come i mean we, we painted as a beautiful starry night and i 'm sure I mean all the heavens did rejoice, but it was a troubled time that he came, and so to go into this with intentionality. In fact, we've got some friends coming over. I think it's the Sunday, the 28th of November for an Advent gathering. We're going to have lights off, candles on. We're going to do some readings. We're going to sing some worship songs, and we're not going to take prayer requests. We're just going to pray as the Holy Spirit leads that our hearts will be prepared to go forward in this time. Nice. So, nice. Yeah.
0: Susie, in your book, Prepare Him Room, which is her new book out, you can be in on the drawing to 877-933-2484. Text the word book. But in, uh, I think it's on, let's see, day six, you titled the reading, The Kingdom is Yours. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear more about that.
1: I love that one too. You know, in that day, you know, in Jesus' time, ego was king. So people who had ego, who had pride and posturing for position, those were considered virtues. So Jesus is the one who modeled humility and turned the world upside down. And in this particular chapter in the Gospel of Luke is the Beatitudes. And it seems so counterintuitive to imagine the context that, that he was bringing this message. But, you know, blessed are those who mourn. You're going to be comforted. You know, and those who laugh now kind of at the expense of everybody else, they're overindulging and they're laughing while others are hurting. Well, that laughter is going to stop. But those who are weeping and mourning... There's a day of rejoicing coming, and that day will never end. That's super important for you to know. There's another one that says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And the poor in spirit means blessed are those who know their need. And I think what so often happens in the holidays, and I was so i mean i fell into this trap over and over again it's that comparing and despairing because you think you got a great tree till you see a hallmark show or till you see a commercial or you go to a party and then you're thinking i gotta get rid of this tree you know over the shallowest things we compare and despair and then or we determine christmas is going to be different this year and we bump up against the stress we overcommit, overspend and our flesh life our self-life starts to show and then what do we feel self-contempt. And so the idea of blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. When you come to the edges of yourself, we don't like that. When you come to the edges of your generosity, of your patience, of your kindness, it doesn't feel good. What do we do? We tend to take a U-turn. We point to somebody else's self-life. We numb out. But Jesus is saying, supremely envied are you, when you realize the ends of yourself, because it's where I begin. So if we could, as Christ followers, know that we are part of a much bigger kingdom. So when you, even in the holiday season, when you blow it, when you eat too much, and you're tempted towards self-contempt, tempted towards numbing out or pointing out somebody else's flaws so you don't have to be aware of your own, don't do that. Come to the edges of yourself and say, I'm supremely to be envied because I now know a new place where the kingdom can begin in me. Lord, I I have limits to my generosity. Would you increase my capacity? Lord, I have limits to seeing the best in others. Would you increase my capacity? Because there's an endless supply available. I just love that when you look at the Beatitudes as Jesus turning the world upside down and putting it right side up again, we can know if you mourn, if you come to the edges of yourself, well, the kingdom is yours. Rejoice.
0: Hmm. Susie, I think we all have a little bit of a sense of entitlement it's mm-hmm. not an attractive quality but i think mm-hmm. we all struggle with it a little bit and christmas has a tendency of maybe um bringing that out in all of us indeed yeah yeah um on day 11 you say ask don't demand and you explore how on one hand jesus invites us to ask and keep asking but that posture is different than demanding. Say more about that.
1: I love that chapter, too. Because I like to read novels, I write nonfiction, but I like kind of imagery and just creating a picture so that you can imagine what it must have been like. Um, You know, the Bible talks about how Jesus slipped off to be with his father, He slipped off to pray, you know. And so I created a scene where Jesus slipped off to do that. And he's just on his knees and his lips turn up into a smile because he's enjoying fellowship with his Abba and his His heavenly father's imparting wisdom to it. I just wanted to create, imagine what that must have been like, where he just slips away and he gets this time with his father and he smiles because he loves what he just heard from him. And one of the disciples kind of comes through, you know, the grove and all of a sudden catches up doing that and goes, you know, Lord, teach me how to pray like that. Teach us how to pray. And this is when Jesus walks back with him, joins the disciples and says, our father, who art in heaven. And he teaches them to pray. And he says, ask and keep asking, seek, you know, and you will find, knock and keep knocking. So he's he's teaching them, first of all, the order of things, hallowed be your name. But then he's saying, pray, pray, pray. Well, a little bit later, you know, when the crowds thicken, and this is always the case, when you have, the more people that you have, the more diverse Audience, you will have in many different ways. So, it, at times, it seemed like Jesus was trying to thin the crowd, like he was purposely offending people. <laughs> like I would have said that differently, because he would lose so many people when he would say something a certain way. But when there were large crowds, there were different opinions. There were some who were hanging on every word he had to say. That's why they were there. Others were seekers, so they're like you know, I'm, I'm going to consider what you have to say. Others in the crowd were looking to trap him, right? Mm-hmm. And so those people came up to him. And they asked for a sign. So here Jesus, not too much earlier, was telling his disciples, ask and keep asking. Well, when this guy asks for a sign, he's like, not, not doing it. Why? And doesn't that seem in conflict with what he had just said to the disciples? Well, it isn't because the posture. He was basically saying, I'll decide if your Savior, prove it to me first. And the thing is, I always say, heaven knows who's who in the zoo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> heaven knows who's who and what's yeah. what. And uh, and and the posture of our heart matters very very much. And you're so right. You see that in the holidays. And if if we don't keep the main things the main things, we will feel entitled to many things uh, that um, aren't ours to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Susie, when we have very busy lives, which many have, we need to, like you say in your new book, prepare Him room. We need to make space. We need to uh, create a place where God can come, heal us, speak to us, and. There's going to be many people this year who are facing the holidays with a big void because they've lost a loved one. So their whole season is going to be different. It's going to look different, feel different. I would say for especially people like that, that this book would be so important to start setting the stage and getting their hearts prepared for a brand new Advent season Unlike anything they've ever gone through,
1: man, I sure hope so. And that's my heart. Again, yeah. I, I behind the scenes, I don't want anything to do with fluff. I want to go to the depths. I and I, I feel like the Gospel of Luke portrays the Christmas message in in all of its splendor and texture. So, it I pray that if that's you, the, who Bill described, you would find. A friend in the Savior, a healer in the Savior, a, a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, because that's who he is and that is how he is. Jesus, he, he is um, closer than a brother. You think of who he is. I pray that, that God would help you just walk in a new level of intimacy with him as you enter in and, and read God's word.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you like the holidays. You're a big Christmas fan. So that's a, it's a perfect fit for you to be writing a book like this. I am so honored
1: to, make, to be able to do that. Just to yeah. make
0: sure that we're getting our, ourselves ready for the real reason for the season.
1: Indeed. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, you kidding, Susie? This is great. And there's a lot of people very interested in getting in on this drawing. And again, the book is called Prepare Him Room, Susie Larson's brand new book. It's a daily Advent devotional. She was nice enough to give us five copies. And two people who win the book will also get a really cool wooden hand uh, made ornament. Um, I, it's beautiful. It says, prepare him room. Jesus came for you. That's one of them. The other one says what?
1: Same thing, but one's a stable with a starry oh, night cool. sky and one other one's kind of a vine. Nice. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. this
0: is the stable one, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, you're right, Bill.
0: The one that's going in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have three, three books and one ornament, right? Yeah, to give away. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Susie, thanks so much for being here.
1: Love you so much. Love you too. Appreciate All right,
0: you. we're going to take a little break. When we come back, you know, it's going to be a Wednesday at five o'clock Central Time. You know what that means? It is our study of Old Testament people and Dr. Mitch Glazer from Chosen People Ministries from New York City is here, going to be here in the studio. And we're going to talk about the prophet Isaiah. That's all coming up next. Be back in a minute.